G'day, welcome back to the Voice of a Veteran podcast. I'm here with Scotty Evanett, the man himself. G'day, my friend. Happy to be here. Good. Good to hear. We're all happy today and we want to talk about, I would like to talk with you, mate, and bounce some ideas off you about what I came away with after the Christmas New Year's period, again, December, January, travelling around the country, engaging with veterans and having some of my own little epiphanies. Because during this time, I didn't just only engage with veterans, I gained with I engage with a lot of politicians, actually, um, and some random people all over the place, you know, everyday Australians, and I really use the time to ground truth and check and listen to many, many opinions because there's a lot of emotion in the general Australian public at the moment, be it COVID, be it what's going on with this Burton report, and, you know, there's a lot of emotion coming out, people supporting our veterans, you know. We've already seen the public backlash. It's been huge and it's caused a lot of government backsteps, but... Key part for me in going around and doing these conversations really helped me unravel a lot that was my own spiral from leaving defence and leaving what we've spoken about being the, the pinnacle of our personal and professional performance and through to how I sort of got to a place whereby I completely um, did not identify with who I was nor was I proud of what I was and um, was in a very, very low place. And for me, it sort of came down to realising that there was as a part of that transition process, is actually the, the transition from one culture to another. I mean, that sounds very suck eggs, but uh, in such an extreme way, you know, I, as a part of this presentation I give, I did a bit of an analysis of what were the key values or attributes that really resonated with me when I was at my best, when we are at our best in service. And you said it in one of the previous episodes, you know, responsibility, you yeah. know, being responsible. But also with that, and a large part that I really feel is missing a lot of society today, it's also being accountable to that responsibility. Yeah. You know, never being able to just offload that responsibility, but you are held to that in a very, very strong way. Yeah, well, my experience with having responsibility not being accountable to it is that it can act as, you know, a very negative, it can have a very negative impact on you. Because if you are, you're supposed to have responsibility and you let that responsibility go and no one helps you, hold you accountable to it. Yeah. It's, it's like, a, it's not, not going to the gym. It's a weight on you because you've let it go. Yep. No one's held you for it and you let it go. And it's tarnished you. You know it. It's yep. tarnished you. It's tarnished your character. It's tarnished your way of thinking of yourself. The way you, it's just, Absolutely. it ends up gross. Well, even the flip side of that is when people readily grab that responsibility slash that authority and start wielding it as entitlement. You know, it's like, this is what I deserve. You know, this is what I have the power to do. But it's like, yeah, you, you do for good and bad, mate. And the responsibility is on you and how you do what you do. But then things like, you know, being selfless, actually having the others in mission before you, which also we've spoken previously about having those layers of resilience that help you not go inside your own head. Um, being, I'm actually my best when I'm not worrying about myself I can very easily become very selfish and I'm my best when I am selfless and in service particularly in all the roles I had you know I always was required to put everything else before me and there's obviously that balance about investing in yourself but when you're investing in yourself for a purpose that requires to be selfless that's when I'm you know completely aligned and then getting out particularly you know the hustle and bustle of most modern day society these days you know dog eats dog you know you've got to get ahead and it's rapidly adapting and becoming selfish where I really lost my way um Physical and moral courage. Physical and moral courage are huge um, factors, are huge um, aspirational um, qualities that we really aspire to, again, in, in service. And looking back in particular during service, I've had so many fantastic opportunities to demonstrate physical courage. You didn't go out there looking to demonstrate physical courage. You just did it because it needed to be done. 
And whereas these days there's far less opportunities in regular society to demonstrate physical courage. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? Uh, you know where physical courage comes up a lot is when people don't realise it in a relationship or business. When your values don't no longer align mm-hmm. with that particular person, you start to break up the relationship, right? Yeah. Or you break up the business when the values don't align. Uh-huh. In the military, we wouldn't have that opportunity. We're all on the same track our values are aligned all the time yeah there's walls around it there's accountability around it there's responsibility around it right and it's fantastic absolutely out here people are trying to find their identity all the time they switch up their identity all the time and they actually change the priorities of their values yep. and if their values change so does the direction of the relationship that you're going in in the business absolutely the foundations of that the foundations culture. of that culture yep. is broken yeah Right, so that's what I found extremely challenging when you talk about having the, you know, the balls to be able to do particular things, the courage. Yeah, yeah. it's super hard to be to have that courage with relationships, especially when you love having healthy relationships and you care for people and you live yeah. outside of yourself. Yeah, and then you find yourself having to, or well, you're going in a different direction to that person. Now, how in the hell am I have, supposed to have the courage to, you know, these are early days for me. I've learned yeah. these over the over the. I got out in 2013, now 2021, and every year there was multiple experiences of both business partners, relationships, which are the same thing, yeah. going in different directions and value changes and priorities. Yep, absolutely. For my fault, hand up, responsible, and for their fault as well, when yeah. people just change up who they are and what they want to be. Yeah, and changes, 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 fine. mate. Yeah, it's just communicating that change. Hey. And, and even for myself, you know, even just appreciating that balance whereby in service, you know, I've really prided on. You know, physical courage, you know, people in the corporate world now ask me to come in and give conversations and keynotes on um, combat leadership. You know, I've definitely seen plenty of combat leadership just through, again, my fortunate experiences in service. Whereas what I say is the hardest form of leadership is actually career leadership. That leadership that doesn't require um, physical courage, that doesn't obviously require that physical um, leadership by example. It's that moral courage. It's behind closed doors and in front of people doing the right things and not doing the right things to demonstrate moral courage and leadership but doing the right things because it's the right thing to be done and this is where a lot of people reaching out to me resonate with you know just even speaking up about this burn report stuff and it it actually started by me speaking out you know when they publicly named november platoon like my old platoon in the public and it to me it wasn't courageous it was the right thing to do you know people sit there going oh my goodness like why'd you do that it's like because it's the right thing to do there wasn't a there's no thought in it. Like, was the, there for you? It was like black no, and white. Well, it was potentially right? a holy shit moment afterwards when, you know, particularly our headset goes to the places whereby we know that, you know, the terrorists and all those threats are actually at home. And, you know, then it's follow-up conversations with my mum and my sister. And it's like, hey, you know, now I'm taking a breath back. There's more implications to this. This is what I need to do because it's the right thing. But, you know, in the real world, current security issues, like that's where we're at. But, I mean, that's not, you know, you, you wouldn't, true moral courage is where you wouldn't feel complete if you didn't do it. Yeah. It's not that you want to do it. It's because you need to do it. And that's the same with, you know, that physical courage. It's not that we want to go out there and be courageous. Like, we needed to do it. And particularly transitioning into the modern life whereby, again, you know, unless there's a, a crisis or, a you know, a bad car crash or, or something, it's very hard for us to get out there and really feel and demonstrate that courage. But the biggest thing that I've learned is that we all actually have what is the hardest form of courage, and that's moral courage. And it's just abiding by those values and sticking to our guns that actually helps us to achieve that. Whereas... The biggest thing that I did wrong was exactly what I was trained to do in my transition. I rapidly assimilated myself to my new environment. Mm. 
the cultures that saw me achieve my absolute greatness, responsibility, physical and moral courage, teamwork, um, self-discipline, I readily transition those when I immerse myself into my social community and everything else when I transferred um, into being a, a civilian. You know, I was caught up in a very superficial party life. I surrounded myself with people who made me feel good because previously no one had known who I was or what I did on the outside. Um, I really enjoyed doing things for people as per my love language's acts of service. And I rapidly adapted myself to be the best at the new values that aligned in the society I was with, you know, being selfish, being, uh, being showy, being inauthentic, you know, putting all these aside for your own self-preservation and who you're around and being seen with. And, you know, what I did was I didn't only um, tear myself apart from my previous community, I tore myself apart from my own entrenched identity. Yeah. So when you start to have that internal friction whereby you're leading this new set of values and this new life and this new culture that actually doesn't align with what you are true and deep, you actually start tearing yourself apart. And at the same time, you put up all those walls to your old community because you know, one, you're not happy with what you've become. And two, you'd be ashamed if they saw what you've become. And it's not at a, at a conscious level, it just starts happening slowly. Well, see, I'm looking at this as a very positive, on a positive angle, is because now that you can look at that, what you did, what you when you were doing it back then, yeah. you were doing it really well. You were doing yeah. what you knew to be best and what was gonna suit your current environment that you were standing in. Like you were doing a great job yeah. of it. But only now finding out that a lot of that or some of that was surface level and not deep. Yeah, just hollow. As you talk about, yeah. it was hollow. Yeah. And looking back at it, but that's what people have to realize is that you can change your identity, the thought of yourself and how you act quickly. Yeah. In a in a moment. You yeah. can go, that's it. I'm deciding that I'm no longer doing these things and I'm gonna pick up these things. And you can do that quickly. I think that's the positive part of it, is that now looking back, you're like Oh, well, I, did, I, I did that. But see, this, the issue is that, you know, that, that uh, oh shit moment came from like an, an ideation moment on the couch. And that's where, you know, the body of work to be done here in supporting the defence and veteran transition process is by, you know, there was so little hands on my transition that I, I, I talked to, I talk about like the pendulum swing. You know, you go from this extreme and I went straight to this extreme. And I think everyone in transitions, there is going to be that pendulum shift. And now we're sort of back where we need to be, you know? Appreciate you go from one extreme to the next, you need to find the middle ground in the middle, but it's having more hands-on that release. So it's just appreciating also an expectation management. You're gonna have your swing, you know, you're gonna get out there and do some silly things, but then you need to come back. It's really trying to minimize the extremes at which we're releasing people back here and how they're following so through. My transition was like a, a reconnaissance soldier would do a CTR. Like I completely disappeared into the bush yeah. and I circled around looking in you know, just deciding what I wanted to do. And when I wanted to come in, yeah. I came in. Yeah. But no one knew anything of my, yeah. you know, it was, it. It was very lost similar it, to yours. It was just gone, disappeared, yeah. and only popping up above the threshold when someone wanted to have a dig. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. No, that's it. And a lot, of, a lot of the guys and girls engage with over the Christmas break, particularly of those who are, um, you know, med discharge and med separation is a huge one at the moment. Um, and so many people are leaving at those points in which they're becoming disenfranchised with the machine they're with. So yeah. therefore, the, the momentum is already building for them to um, want to want to swing that pendulum. That that elastic um, energy is pent up, and they're ready to swing and go out hard. And that's, you know, we've identified there's that bigger bodies of studies, you know, pages and pages and pages that we need to know that they're the critical people we need to maintain our time with. And I really look forward to. And we need to engage with those people more to help set those expectations up. But 
a lot of it comes down to even their disenfranchised piece is this one key conversation I want to have at the moment is between leadership and politics. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, we... I read some fascinating articles from a guy, um, a current politician actually sent them to me, a veteran himself, about moral injury. And when we talk about previously about that culture that we truly align with that saw us to our greatest in service um, and particularly then out of service and now being able to look back and, you know, really resonate that, you know, as I said it before, that culture we have in defence whereby you're measured on your conduct and your character every day, not on, you know, mm. where you've come from or anything else prior to that. And to be honest, that sort of cultural defence is quite the utopia whereby, you know, we know regardless of who you are, you could be united with a purpose that is so far outside of yourself and achieve fantastic things physically, mentally and emotionally. So then when we saw things like if with the Brereton Report release in October, we saw one of our senior leaders who's meant to be, you know, demonstrating leadership by example, stand up and completely adopt a political front and a political footing and conduct political actions that were completely against what we've been ingrained to believe in those values we stand for within service it really actually started to forge a moral injury within all our veteran community current and former serving defense whereby we're seeing the pinnacle of the modern day um, defense force standing up there being the, the highest ranking person demonstrating character attributes that we don't align with at our own personal ethos and don't align with the values that we know everyone is meant to be held accountable to and we still haven't seen that action been undone like we said you know a simple apology would would backtrack that but what that's done is even particularly in those many people currently in service is just starting to put that little little crack in there that little wedge in there <laughs> that we've spoken about previously whereby you start to have some doubts on that higher purpose not in what you need to do it but just in this case if those people that you're doing it for or responsible for you are going to have you back well mate they have a bloody hard job don't they i mean talked about it earlier the ability to be a leader, and especially a military leader, and then play the politics game. Yeah. There's got to be a conflict of interest between those two job roles. Like yeah. it's one, you hold one job role and you're playing two fields. And this is where my... You know? And my, if, one, yeah. if one spews into the other... Well, this is the whole thing, mate. I, is it, is it, yeah, yeah. And everyone keeps telling me that there's politics in everything. You know, and I like to sit here as like, I mean, there's politics in everything if you allow it. For me, even just breaking down politics and what I see currently in the Australian system, like politics and politicians are trying to get people to do things through um, far too often manipulation, whereas leadership is motivating people Mm. to do things. Um, The manipulation actually segments people off, whereas uh, motivation brings people together and the highest form of motivation is inspiration. And so many of the Australians, veterans, families I meet with are looking for inspiration at a time where know our, our cultural fabric at home and everywhere else has come under attack with coronavirus and we've been taking these times so many people have done their own self-evaluations they've decluttered their lives they've appreciate what they actually need in their lives to sustain them over this last year and we're actually in a fantastic yeah. self-assessment phase that's why i think most of us are now sitting up there and looking at many of our politicians and going hey we elected you to be a leader we don't want to hear these segue arguments we want to hear this opposite opinions for the sake of being opposite opinions we would like to be led and demonstrated leadership. And you know, even when I go in and help out with a lot of corporate people, most of them it's not actually their own fault because they've never actually been taken away and taught proper leadership. But during my travels, when I met with a few politicians around the country, I asked them this simple question. I said, how can you be trusted to effectively lead the Australian people if we know that first and foremost, your first priority has to be your party preference. Otherwise you're not gonna be progressed within your own party. And it was fascinating, mate, hearing 
some of these guys, even some of these guys, former veterans, just go like, hey, you know, you're absolutely right, but that's the system. That's what it is. And it's so difficult not to sit below that and just be disenfranchised. But, you know, you and I, you and I have been led with leadership, be that combat leadership, be that just like high um, moral courage leadership. You know, it's, you know what it's like to trust someone regardless of what they're going to say what comes with solid trust is a crazy work ethic clarity with with the job role that you have as a follower you lead or you follow yeah and if you're following you're digging into your job role because you've completely well you know where your purpose and your purpose nests within the mission exactly so if you want to increase productivity in how people operate and you know people's mental health right here on who they are and what they do for a job then it needs that solid leadership in place, right? It needs yeah. that connection. So, And I remember particularly back during the my military days, mate, it was so important. I mean, I got out as a major and I was always fortunate to be at the everyday interface with soldiers on the ground. Um, and then as I look back, particularly a lot, of the, a lot of the generals these days, you know, I actually looked forward to the day when I got promoted, you know, to left colonel above because you have like, you then command officers, you know, and those officers are wanting to like do good by you so then they go and do things. Whereas particularly at the platoon commander and then the, the jobs I had, like, you're the one where the rubber hits the road with the soldiers <laughs> and the NCOs. It's yeah. so much easier to lead officers, yeah. that decentralised command. You know, and then even just this other week, bloody, old, if I hear one more general coming out and talking about their take on the veteran suicide model at the moment, I'm going to slap them. Um, you know, they're just really proving their irrelevance. They're, they're in that many levels of isolation above where those 30-year-old guys and girls who are the 80% highest risk factor out there at the moment killing themselves. And they're not going down listening to those younger veteran organisations. You know, they have their opinions. And, you know, the art of being a good leader is also knowing when to be a good follower and also knowing when you don't know the answer. Yeah, you know, how much more respect do you have for people where they're like, hey, I don't know that. Whereas we watch our TVs, we watch these politicians, we watch these leaders all be expected to know everything off the back of their hand. Whereas, I mean, you and I both know, mate, they've got bloody staff of 10, 20, 30 people behind the scenes actually doing all this shit. Well, that was something we spoke about in a previous episode was the fact that you had more intel and more information and the right information, not the stuff that can be verbally communicated back to me or up the ranks, but you were on the ground seeing the emotion in the eyes, hearing the emotion in their voice of the people who needed the help the most or just needed a voice and to be heard. There needs to be more examples of that, of the leadership being more ingrained or more mixed up with ground level stuff to actually get a real energy absolutely from, from the vibe right? i mean it's just it's lazy leadership mate it's lazy leadership when you don't take the time to figure out what's going on the ground and i don't want to tie that back to you know there's all these conversations with the Britain inquiry how did they not know what's going on the ground as you know mate whether it's leading an army of one or leading an army of one million if you want to know what's going on you get out there and find out what's going on you get out there and immerse yourself with what's going on the ground and as I see at the moment, particularly as we progress in this digital era that we're in in technology, you know, the ability to maintain observation and overwatch from social platforms or from media or from emails, you know, nine times out of ten, you're only seeing what's making noise. Yep. You know, you're not seeing those who are actually rolling their sleeves up, getting it done on the ground because it's actually the, those who are, what do they call it? The, um, those silent workhorses, those who are actually just don't have time for engaging with that stuff that are getting it done. And particularly as I travel around and got to finally engage with some of these, you know, some families turned up to some of these presentations, mate, who, like, their son had just joined and was finishing his time in Kapuka, and they're just like, I want to know how I can better support him. And, and, you know, even some of the information I was hearing from them of how proud he was joining all these things, you know, it was so uplifting and amazing. But 
until you go down there and actually have a chat with everyone everywhere and appreciate what's actually going on the ground, like how can you just sit back and rest on your laurels and rest on where you've come from and what position you're in unless you go out there, you know, hunting to be relevant each and every single day. And that's where I just, again, reflect upon those sort of fundamentals of what is leadership and how we're really allowing things to become politicised. Everything's, everything's politicised. Everything's for a individual outcome as opposed to a collective yep. team, be that the veteran community, be that Australia as a nation. And, you know, again, everything comes down to cultural change, but fuck it. <laughs> mate, post-2020, if it's not the time to do it now, yep. the more conversations we have with people as opposed to... And that was the biggest thing I learned from my little moment of offloading all of my problems, blaming DVA and everything, uh, just realising that, you know, too often we're our, we are the only person holding ourselves back. Mm. You know, and as opposed to, my new rule for this year is to, and bring as many people along with me, as opposed to sitting there going, you know, that's the way it's always been, you know, that's politics, that's this. It's like, cool, well, let's change it. You know, why can't we change it? You know, let's go until we meet failure. Let's see if we are unhappy with something, and this is something I was saying to all the veterans traveling around when they were having sessions with Jackie Lambie and raising all their problems, like, cool, what can you do about it here and now? And what do you need help with? You know, send your five W's. Um, what can you solve at your individual level? What additional resources do you need? You know, what are your next actions? How can I be in support? And let's hold each other accountable, but don't ever sit there and think that we are too small to get something done, you know, mate? Yeah, touche. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What's your, do you do? You sitting as an Australian citizen, mate, over this like you know Christmas New Year period and all the stuff you see going on in our veteran community. I mean, what, what's your bloody take on it? What do you? Well, I'm guilty of being one of the the guys that digs into work, right? Like, yep, I, just I, get it done. You know, I always yeah. enjoyed being a really good two IC and you know, understanding what the commander's intent or what my leader's intent was and then just going, that's it, I know what I need to know, now I'm going to go and do. Yeah, got it. And I've been doing a lot of that as I dig in and I put my head up my butt, essentially, as far yeah. as my, um, you know, my awareness goes. Yeah. It, it decreases as soon as you do that, right? So more responsibility in then stopping and then getting that situation awareness back, yeah. you know, and talking to you who's been talking to the wider community. But that's why you and me are set up and working yeah. as a good team is that you're constantly got a broad view and you're in there listening to the to the many yeah. whilst whilst work gets done. But how many other people are like myself or doing what I'm doing? Yeah, so many are. I mean, I guess I put it in the context that this is a bloody election year coming up and, you know, if it's probably for the first time in my entire career I've actually paid attention to what's going on in the world mm. from, you know, the opinions and the agendas in the media through to how completely disillusioned I am with politics without actually having leaders. Um, you know, previously, mate, I, I'll say this, I barely ever even voted, you know, we were in the military. It was like, hey, that was my focus. That was my priority. You know, <laughs> Labor or Liberal or whoever else, I'm still going to have to provide them security when they come over here. Um, I'm ready to deploy. I just never, I never really delved into it. And I'm actually very disappointed that I never really had a look at and even as a part of that transition I was never looking proactively looking after the environment I was transitioning to by not even paying attention to the issues that were rife in it I was just focusing on the green machine well mate sometimes I think like often like a child does is is they come out with these answers immediately go that was so basically correct it was not funny right meaning like I when I was watching voice of a veteran and things that you were doing pre-Christmas it was like why don't we have you in 
parliament. Like, why don't we have... Let's not say that. No, <laughs> no but it was AU, not you yeah. yeah, specifically. Gotcha, gotcha. But, like, the connection, the communication... Just leadership. The fucking lines yeah. between these guys and these guys and all the way up, like, because it seems to be chatting to too many individualised yeah. people in yep. different roles where it's just, it's totally looked at in a different angle every time. It's like Chinese whispers. By the time it goes around the table, yeah. it comes back completely wrong or, or not or not at all. Yeah. That's that's the way I'm, I see it and I've been thinking, if you're asking me, is just that, you know, having more of us in the right places to link, to bridge, to build the communication lines to where it needs change. Just being authentic, mate, you know, mm-hmm. the first thing, to stand up and expect to know the answers for running an entire country, let alone, you know, allowing to be wrong, um, embracing and supporting each other, some, some form of, like, collaboration, you know. <laughs> Didn't you say that after World War Two, guys integrated into society a lot better than what we are at the moment? Well, that's what, yeah, when I was up in Townsville speaking with old Bob Catter, mate, he, he really had this bit of an epiphany. My grandfather said something quite similar as well back in the day. He said, you know, when guys came back from the war, they definitely didn't adjust the best, but some adjusted, and the majority adjusted much better than is comparison now. And particularly some of those who came back really became leaders in our society. You know, they were uh, without the local champion into politics, sports, whatever. And that's where we're going back previously. I really had that epiphany, thanks to talking with Bob about, whereas back then I really believed that our, our culture and our values as a society were so much more closer to those that resembled in defence, if not almost exact. And therefore, given the fact that those guys in defence already achieved high levels of performance in that, when they transition, they're already at an exemplary mm. standard. And it is that, that activation and maintenance of those, those values within our culture that we had back in defence. And even just getting around educating the guys and girls that, hey, you already have these fantastic soft skills, culture, values, emotional intelligence that stick to your guns bring those into any workplace and you are an asset to not only that culture but the potential of that organization again i go back to when we ran the selection course pick the right person that we can then train to do anything yeah what we're doing when we at the moment and i did it myself and many guys and girls are when we transition from defense we're transitioning to think that we need to adapt everything we have in order to match our new environment whereas we would actually be better if we maintained those values and that culture that took us to those highest levels and appreciated we had skills and education to learn, but at the personal level, we are good to go and you're actually going to achieve so much better if you stick to that. Yeah, I like it. What's the plan? <laughs> that's the plan, is it? You said, or did you ask me no, what's the plan? No, no, sorry, that's the plan. I mean, the plan is to, I don't know how, but it made us through this. It's through those... Um, uh, asymmetric means of being able to at scale get these conversations out there and uh, lots of people I've spoken to I know it's much easier said than done um, you know just sitting down and identifying with yourself and it is it is honestly a point of uh, not, not a point of embarrassment what is it it's a point of um, you know, it's easy to lack confidence Look, you know think, particularly uh, no one else out there in your everyday society is out there you know walking around mate we walk around in Sydney not many people are walking around looking each other in the eye and saying hello but like Start it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, when we're walking around base, we're looking at each other and I, we're checking out each other's rank. Do I need to salute that person? What am I doing? Like, look up and out, engage with people. Um, start things, that issue resolution at the lowest level. Cultural change also starts at the lowest level. We can't always just be saving and waiting for an election to change things. Mm. You know, again, culture from the top down, bottom up. If there's any call to action from this short podcast, I'd ask for the veterans to, who are currently transitioning, who are going to transition, 
It's to really identify with those values such as responsibility, physical moral courage, selflessness, teamwork, and initiative, mm. and carry those through to any workplace. You know, the work ethic and the, the attitude, um, the personality that we bring as veterans to any society in, today, into, in Australia today is an asset that needs to be embraced and not something you need to put down because you feel unconfident doing it. You will gravitate others towards you if you do that, and that's more of what our society needs. Nailed it, buddy. I cool. didn't have much input on this one because you are speaking beautifully. Oh, thank you, sir. <laughs> well, again, this is what it's all about, people. You yeah. know, I, I asked Scotty to sit and have this chat with me on this one, and it's just accepting that sometimes we're better talking with others. You know, yeah. this helps me get the crazy, the crazy voices mate, out mate, of my there head. There needs to be good listeners too. Yeah, you that's know, it. I said to I see, you need to be follow or. Absolutely. The, the, the art of being a great leader is knowing how to be a great follower because exactly. um, there's other people that are always smarter and better at you at something. Cool. Thank you, my friend. People, don't forget to subscribe. I'll definitely jump in on that one. Yeah. Uh, hit the like button and make sure you know what platform you can turn on specific notifications and, uh, and listen to more and more as we get into some more topics in the future. Do it. And we'd also really, really love and appreciate your feedback. You yeah. know, this is an evolving beast. Um, imagine if we could take live calls and ask questions. That'd be pretty cool. Imagine but, we can. But didn't yeah. know you wanted to. Let's nah. roll. <laughs> but yeah, send some through. <laughs> and um, Scotty and I are going to be doing these on the regular. And we'll probably be releasing these midweek or something to try and get them out and be more engaged with our community and make sure that we are hearing from the people on the ground and staying up to date, relevant and responsive to you. Adios. Bye. Bye.